Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Podcast1.com and iTunes. You know the deal by now. If you are shopping on Amazon.com, be sure to do it by starting on my page, which is Amazon.com slash shop slash Eddie Trunk. Start all your shopping there, then go on to other areas of the site. I appreciate you doing that. And I appreciate you downloading and streaming the Eddie Trunk podcast, which is free. Like I said, every Thursday at Podcast1.com and iTunes. Another good interview for you this week coming up in just a little bit. You'll hear from Rob Zombie. Rob dropped by when I was in L.A. a few weeks ago. Rob Zombie were in the middle of doing some rehearsals for upcoming touring that they are doing with Marilyn Manson. Rob took some time out of his schedule just to sit in for an hour. We had a great conversation about a lot of things, including his next movie, which he just finished off shooting, and upcoming Zombie record and his tour with Manson and all that sort of stuff. Always fun to talk to Rob. And I hope you enjoy that coming up in just a few. Some stuff going on on other fronts. This coming Saturday, if you happen to be in Cincinnati, join me at the venue in Cincinnati. I'll be doing my Q&A speaking show. Should be a lot of fun. Hope to see you there if you're in that area of the country. Also, next appearance is coming up July 13th. I am in Tulsa, the Ideal Ballroom, hosting Dokken. Back there again on July 28th, where I will be hosting a free show, excuse me, with Bisto Blanco. Also, if you're in South Florida, July 1st, join me at the Seminole Hard Rock, where I will be hosting Poison and Cheap Trick. Lots of shows, lots of stuff going on. Best way to keep up with everything I got going on is by following on Twitter at Eddie Trunk, checking the homepage of EddieTrunk.com and seeing all the appearances as they are confirmed. And last but certainly not least, there is a Instagram and Facebook also simply at my name. If you go to my website, you'll see right on the homepage a trailer, a teaser for an upcoming brand new TV series I have on Access TV called Trunk Fest, getting closer to the premiere now, which is July 1st on Access, 9.30, 8.30 Central, covering the world of music festivals. I think you're going to love it. New episodes every Sunday, and it all starts July 1st on Access TV. Cannot wait. Appreciate you guys spreading the word about Trunk Fest. So, TV stuff coming. Bunch of live appearances coming. 
more things to be announced in the near future. And of course, all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk podcast, courtesy of my daily show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard every day live on Sirius XM channel 106 volume between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and always on demand on the Sirius XM app. That's where the Rob Zombie interview that you'll hear originated that we did in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. Speaking of Sirius XM, uh, other big news announced a few days ago, and that is that I'm going to be well hosting where I can a brand new tour that's about to go out in nice venues, House of Blues venues and things like that, called the Hair Nation Tour, branded by the channel of the same name on Sirius XM, where I do a once-a-week radio show on Mondays. And the tour features Jack Russell's Great White, Bullet Boys, and Enough's Enough. It kicks off in September and runs into the first weekend of November. All the dates are announced. The tickets are on sale and go on sale if you're listening to this on post day tomorrow to the general public. And I will be making appearances in the following cities on the just-announced Terra Nation tour. And those cities are Los Angeles, Anaheim, Vegas, Houston, Dallas, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. Those are the seven stops of the Hair Nation tour that I will be attending and hosting. Can't make all the stops, but those are definitely the ones I will be doing. And I hope to see you out there if you are attending any of those shows Information on eddytrunk.com in the music news section. So as usual, a lot of great stuff going on. Follow on my social media. I'll keep you posted because things are always changing. Things are always evolving. Things are always being added to the schedule. And I'll do my best to keep you posted that way. Like I said, and always tell you, Twitter, where I'm up to the second and most active. And again, that is simply at eddytrunk.com. Good thing if you follow that and you care about my world or this world of rock music because I do my best keeping you abreast of all the information as it comes in. So let's get a, a quick break here at the top of the podcast, and then when we come back, we'll set up the Rob Zombie interview, spend some time this week talking with filmmaker, musician Rob Zombie on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, so if you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer from muscle cramps in your legs and feet, relief is finally here. It's called TheraWorks Relief. It is a topical foam that's clinically proven to relieve muscle cramps fast. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start so you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without having to worry about muscle cramps. Let me tell you, I got a Charlie horse cramp that it is like somebody stabbing me in my sleep when I wake up and it pulls. TheraWorks Relief, it only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly, and it really works. I recommend TheraWorks Relief to my family, my friends. The results speak for themselves. I have used it myself. This is a life-changing product, and you don't even need a prescription. TheraWorks Relief, the number one choice, my choice for preventing and relieving muscle cramps. Try TheraWorks Relief today and experience relief from muscle cramps for yourself. Get TheraWorks Relief in the pain relief aisle at select CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreen pharmacies or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. That's T-H-E-R-A-W-O-R-X, 
theraworksrelief.com. Theraworks Relief for your muscle cramps. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, you guys, it is survey time again. I know, I know, I know a survey. I got no time for that, but you can help my podcast stay free and downloadable with minimal ads if you just help us out by this survey. It'll take no more than five minutes, and your responses will help align appropriate advertisers to you, my audience. It's short. It's completely anonymous, less than five minutes. Appreciate if you take it. You can do it by going to podcastone.com slash mysurvey or podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. If you've done a survey in the past, we thank you, but we need you to do it again, please. We need to update them from time to time. So I thank you on behalf of everybody here at Podcast One and the Eddie Trunk Podcast by checking it out and doing the survey for us. And thank you for supporting it and taking the time. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, we're back with the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and joining me this week is Rob Zombie. This interview took place about three weeks ago in Los Angeles. I was in L.A. doing some episodes of my daily show, my daily live show on volume. I always love doing the show from L.A. So many people are based there and live there. It's easy to get guests. Rob Zombie's been on my show TV and radio many, many times over the years. He's always a lot of fun to talk to. He was nice enough to take time out of his schedule where he was rehearsing, getting ready for the upcoming tour that he's doing with Marilyn Manson. And here is how the conversation went. We talk about music. We talk about movies. We talk about vegan food. Talk a little bit about everything with Rob Zombie on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Good to see you, Rob. Good to see you, Ed. How are you? Good, good. You know, I picked up your guitar player from rehearsal yesterday. You did? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was stranded. I uh, I guess he uh, opted out on Ginger giving him a ride home. He lost his car keys, and he Ubered to your rehearsal. He did. He texted me, and uh, I said, where are you? He told me, and sure enough, I drive up the road, and there's Sean Five in in regalia in his his hat and jackets (laughs) holding a guitar. He looked like it looked like a man who just dropped in from L.A. looking for fame and fortune. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But then so I give him a ride home. But before we did that, we stopped and he took he said, we're going to stop and get something to eat. I'm going to take you to a place you're going to love. And I said, "Okay, well, you know, where are we going to go? We went to a, I had my first vegan restaurant experience with yeah. John Five yesterday. Where'd he go? Lotus. Oh, yeah. Right up the street from. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah. I kind of remember that place. Yeah. And I had never, he told me that both you and he are both, is the whole band vegan? Uh, almost. I mean, I was. Are you vegan? Yes. I started at first and I got John onto it because John was having so many health issues due to the way he would eat. And they've all gone away now that he eats well. And then Piggy was on it too. And Ginger kind of is like, whatever. Mm. He will. He won't. You know, Ginger basically eats the same thing all day long. He fills his bunk with like cream of wheat and <laughs> and protein bars. <laughs> he does. He's like on the, he regiments every calorie he intakes. He's pretty funny. Yeah. So I never, <laughs> but I never had anything like that because John, John's going to me. So you go 
like whatever the most decadent food you want to just order it in this version and it's not going to be any different. And, you know, he's like, you want sesame beef, you want orange chicken, all that. And it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't I don't know if I'd go as far as he was in the cell of it, but it was pretty darn good. Yeah, I mean, vegan food's great. I mean, you can't really tell the difference. I don't remember that restaurant very well, so I don't know how great the place is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's the way to go, man. How I'll, hard is it to eat like that on the road when you're touring? It's super easy for me because we, you know, we have a bus, so we pack the bus with food. I mean, you know, obviously, day off Sunday night in North Dakota is nothing to eat. <laughs> I mean, it's it if you're not prepared. I mean, I'm so used to eating that way and being prepared that I, right, you know, I don't expect there to be food anywhere to eat. So I always have have food with me. So you're carrying your own stuff on the road for the most part. But if you yeah. put stuff on the rider at a festival and stuff, will you get it for the most part? Like if it's along the guidelines of what you want. Oh yeah, I mean, can do it. most places are, are are fine with it. You know, because you know the catering that we have every night at a show is is ours to to figure out. So yeah, we always make sure they have what we can eat. Right. Well, you're here to uh, not talk about catering and yeah, food, but boring. <laughs> I think it's interesting, actually, because being on the road, I mean, I would think it would be a challenge to try to keep up with that. But if you bring in your own. If that's... you were just trying to roll into town and find something to eat, yeah. it would be a challenge. But I mean, it's getting easier even with that because, you know, you, we always find some place that's cool to go. It's usually like a, you know, a process. But... Yeah. Yeah. So how's so speaking of the rehearsals, which I picked uh, John up at, how's it how's it been going? What are you you're rehearsing for the live shows, basically? Yeah. I mean, we just hadn't played together in like six months because, you know, we finished our last show and then I went into making the film and I hadn't even seen those guys because once I'm making the movie, I'm just that t- takes me away from everything. So I thought we'll just start some early rehearsals. And then in June, we'll start real rehearsals for tour in a real space with all of our gear and our whole thing. This was just to kind of like, you know, get together and get the vibe going again. Mm, so it's it's important you to just uh, have some sort of reconnection and keep the keep the music side flowing a little bit while you're doing some movie stuff. Yeah, I mean, in the past, I mean, way in the past, like, you know, whatever, like 10 years ago or, or more, um, it'd be more like I'd really shut everything down for years at a time musically to do a movie because it would take so long but I don't do it that way anymore because I finished the film finished shooting the film and now we're going on tour whereas if I was stopping to edit the film and take it all the way through the end that would keep me away for another year mm. and I don't like doing that it's it's too it's too hard so I try to keep everything going at the same time let's talk about this film what is uh tell us about it what is it well what the film is is it's the third part of my sort of uh trilogy that started with house of a thousand corpses it's house of a thousand corpses then was the devil's rejects and now it's this movie called three from hell it's the third part of that series and it's you're done you're done shooting it so where's the process go from here well we're done shooting it um i finished about two weeks ago and basically the process just stops and waits for me because the film will just basically sit and wait till i get back from tour which is end of august maybe i don't remember when the tour ends beginning of september then we'll start editing mm-hmm. you know and that'll take me through the rest of the year what what is what for you making films what is what is your favorite part of the process like do you like the edit <clears throat> the edit portion portion do you like shooting do you like ca- i mean what tell i me- like all of it i mean like it's all a process that i enjoy i mean shooting is great i mean shooting is actually the fastest part of it you know there's so much you'll take this like this film probably had you know two solid years of pre-production to get it going because getting these movies going is is sometimes feels close to impossible and then the shoot is so fast and then the editing will be you know 
five or six months maybe. Mm-hmm. But I like it. I mean, the editing, you know, I have a, a studio at my house and, you know, we just bring the editors there and all the avids and set up and we just sequester ourselves away. It's actually the same studio we, we'll make the records in. We just oh, really? switch out the gear. Oh, wow. Okay. So di- where did you shoot this? Where location? We shot it in California. You did? Yeah. And it'll come out, your target to put it out is what, next year? Well, early next year, I would yeah. assume. I don't have, we don't have an exact date yet, but early next year, yeah. Did you always envision that storyline as being three parts or? Not really. I mean, every time I would finish a movie, like I, I, after the second one, I thought, oh, we're done with it. And, but I always think that with every movie and then you kind of like live with it for a long time and the movies sort of take on a life of their own with, you know, they start getting popular the fans really start embracing them and the characters and you start thinking like well hmm, you know what if it did this what if it did that but um so yeah this one it's 14 years in between the two films so it's Mm -hmm. been a long time it wasn't a really a rush to make it by any means yeah and you wanted to do i'm you weren't going to do a a hockey movie with broad street bullies right did that kind of go away or that was like uh that's not going to happen i mean that that's one of those projects where um you know, I don't own the, I don't have control over the property of the Philadelphia Flyers or anything like that. So as we were working on the project and, you know, it just hit a lot of stumbling blocks. And basically we kept trying many, many times over years and just seemed like this is just never going to happen. Get people to kind of sign off on it. So for whatever reasons, I don't even, you know, it's, it, it'll, it's not going to happen as far as I know. Yeah. Ever. I mean, I mean, you wanted to, though, at some point, I think one of the things about that film that would have been interesting is you were going to it would have been the first one where you broke out of the horror genre and done something different. Do you still want to do that? Do you still want to make a film outside of the horror world? Yeah, I mean, I don't as long as it appeals to me, I'm not like looking to purposely not make another horror movie or purposely make another horror movie. It's basically whatever material comes my way that seems like interesting mm-hmm. that that. that it's something that I'd want to do. And um cuz I get offered things all the time, you know, of course I get offered a million different horror movies and I always turn things down cuz it has to be so, you just devote so much of your time to it that you know, you can't make a snap decision cuz you know, you're going to be doing this nonstop for two straight years or more. So, it's got to be something that you feel strong enough to stick to with for that long. Yeah, it's a, I would imagine that's a it's a big commitment, it's a yeah. lot of money and you want to make sure it is uh Yeah gonna fly sorry so we look forward to seeing that so in the meantime you're getting ready for live shows and you're going back into the manson, <laughs> the manson yeah space again going on the uh the second go around for the zombie manson uh tour that's going to be uh going out i'm sure i'm not sure i don't have the dates right in front of me but everybody can i don't either them up online <laughs> and beginning I mean, of july i believe yeah i mean being that it's this is a national show to go through specific dates i know it be starts ridiculous. in detroit that's all i know yeah but it starts in detroit and there's dates just go to rob's site or, or manson's site and you'll see all the dates up there yeah so talk about the the uh the decision to do this and go out with with uh, manson again i always knew we would do it again i thought you know because um the last tour we did together was great you know, um, we did all of the U.S. and all of Europe, and it was it was a great tour. And it's already, I don't know how long ago that was. It was three or four years ago, but um, it was great, and we always knew we'd do it again at some point because it's hard to find people to tour with. Mm-hmm. You know, the number of bands, you know, it's either, okay, well, it's either us and Manson or us and Corn, or, you know, it's like it starts right. to be like you're just rotating through, through the same 10 bands all the time, it seems like. So uh, this is a good, this is always a good match. And... This will probably be our biggest tour ever. Well, first of all, before we get to the, to that, because I want to hear why, but but um, 
you you said the last time around with Manson was was great and you enjoyed it, but it wasn't without its hiccup and drama, as everybody knows that there was yeah, some I sniping mean, there was going on. Some some stupid thing that went down. I think that was like literally the first night. It was early into the. Tour, it was early. I, I mean, I don't. Maybe it wasn't the first night. It was it was in Detroit, which is funny because that's where we're starting. But but you know, a, a lot of like people go like, oh, I thought those guys hate each other, blah blah blah. But what they don't remember is like we finished that whole tour and then did an entire European tour after it. So you know that was all worked out. Right, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Years. that. Yeah, we did. You that was all worked out a long time ago. So so um, did you guys do some press together for this tour already? Did no. you do anything together? We we um we did some interviews together the other day, but they haven't come out. Right. We haven't really done much. I've been just doing movie stuff. Right. And so so um what is your, your personal history with Manson? Do you remember the first time you saw the band and what you thought of it and, and saw him and, and saw him come out to the scene? Uh the first time I remember even hearing about the band at all was Back with White Zombie, we were playing a show and they opened up for us. But this was like, we were still early on too. So we were in some sort of club type scenario and um, they opened up, but I didn't see them. I just heard about, I heard the name. Our drummer was like, oh, I just saw this band. They're really cool. And the name is, you know, the name is, it's a cool name. So you remember it when you hear it. And that was the first time that this sort of the the name was on the radar. I think probably first saw them like on MTV with something like, uh, no, I don't know. I mean... Maybe the lunchbox video. I don't remember. Truthfully, mm. I don't remember because they sort of like you know when they kind of hit with sweet dreams and stuff. It sort of was everywhere fast. But uh, I don't remember the first time I saw them. I think the first time I saw them was there was a tour. It was like Danzig, Corn, and Manson, and I think I saw them at Universal Amphitheater, like whatever year that was. That was pretty mm. early. Mm. So, yeah. as a fan of theatrical rock yourself, what were your impressions when you first saw them? Do you? What was what was your th- what were your I thought thoughts? it was great. I mean, I, I I thought the records sounded great because they were they were made well and they were super chaotic and crazy and live. It was great. You know, I could see why. You know, it was it was a good show. Yeah, and you know, it was, I always thought it was really good. And yeah. the videos were always top quality and really interesting and really cool. I saw them first at a club in New Jersey that's no longer there called Birch Hill, and there was probably two three hundred people there. And it was very early on, yeah. and I had no idea. I just liked the record. The record had just come out. The first record. Which record was that the um, Portrait, Portrait of American, American Family, yeah. the first album. And I just somebody from Interscope sent it to me. I was like, ah, this is cool. I like it because the thing I liked about what Manson did at the time that he came out was that that was the height of the shoegazing, no show, no was it? I don't even. Oh yeah. Anymore. Oh yeah. There was <laughs> there was no no what year show. was that. <sighs> Ed, look up what your portrait of an American family came out from Manson. I got to think it's like 90s, early 90s, 90, 95, 93. I have no idea. I can't remember. The, First the time record. frame on everything is confusing. Me, to me too. Now. I'm terrible with this, so I could be way off. But I do remember working in radio at that time. Everything sounded the same. Everything looked the yeah, same. Maybe 93. Wait a sec. 94. Possible. You were and then I'm like, here's this guy coming out, putting on a show, dressing up and doing this whole bit. And uh, I was like. I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I go to see him having no idea what was going on. And back then it was small club. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. I mean, they, they, people were physically being dragged out of that place and he was oh, yeah, cutting back, himself yeah, and yeah. he was hitting people with the mic stand and dragging people by the hair off the side. I had never seen anything like that in my life. It was, yeah, yeah. it was, it felt legitimately dangerous. It was crazy. And it was, there was shit flying around up there. It was absolutely nuts. Ed, do you have a year on that? 94, like I said. 94. Oh, okay, so yeah. there you go. I mean, all that, that, that whole grunge thing was full go 
And anybody putting on any sort of show at that point was like, you know, looked at crazy. And then this guy comes out putting on a show. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. So I think it's great. I think it's great that you're doing it again. Now, here in the U.S., are you going to go out outside of the country with it again or just here? Uh, we don't have it booked yet, but we probably I don't know if we will. Actually, I don't know. I would yeah. like to, but I don't know if we are. And are you closing or is he closing? How is that working? I'm closing. You're closing. Yeah. Is there a third act? There, there is, be an opening there act? is, but I don't remember who. Okay. Uh, I just I can't remember <laughs> who. Right. Uh, but um, no, I mean, but it's like, it's a co-headlining, so both bands are doing their full show. Right. But I'm just closing every night. Well, this way you get the darkness. That's the idea, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess so, because we're outdoors. I yeah. was thinking we were indoors the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, so you said the biggest, one of the biggest tours you ever did. Why is that? A produ from a production no, standpoint? No, just ticket sales. It's just crazy. Oh, okay. I mean, it's just blown out like crazy. You know, it's amazing. Do you worry about that when you go out on a tour? Because there's a lot of tours and a lot of shows out there. Do you have any, do you, do you get concerned, I mean, you know, about how it's going to do? And uh, Well, yeah, of course. I mean, you don't want to go out there and have the tour stiff. That would be a bummer. But, um, you know, there is a, there are a lot of tours this summer. There's a lot of tours. And, um, you know, you try to put together the best package you can, the best bang for people's buck. But you never know. And sometimes it's surprising. Even the last tour we did... Uh, I don't forget what we call the Return of the Dreads tour or something with Corn. It was we were like Jesus Christ this is the because us we've done a lot of tours with Corn the two of us together. And it was the biggest one, so it's weird that right now for you know even though everyone's like rock music is completely not popular anymore and it's dead and no one cares about this or that. Certain these have been the biggest tours ever. Mm. In the but, last bunch of years, so something's something good's happening. That's yeah, that's great to hear. Um, one more thing, maybe we'll go grab some calls from the audience too. So we've got uh, July 11th. The tour starts in Detroit. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so we that know that. Familiar. And uh, Twins of Evil tour. The first one was 2012, so that's six years Holy ago already. Crap. That is crazy. I thought it was like three. Yeah, that's <laughs> wow. Okay, so all right, we're getting some some information coming in from our our folks in New York. So there Scary. you go. Um, but you've got a record uh, you're working on. John was telling me the other day, which I know he was really pumped about. Yeah, but we um, basically finished, a, more or less finished a record before I started the movie. We haven't mixed it yet, and we haven't put the final touches on it, but it's pretty far along. So, yeah, again, I didn't finish the record, went finished the movie, didn't finish the movie, <laughs> going to go back on tour. Well, actually, I'm going to start mixing the record in June, just before the tour starts hopefully finish it i don't know if i will go on tour come back and then do the movie i don't know so so timeline for the record is probably next year you think or yeah you think probably the record and the movie will probably drop around the same time and what's your take on like you you've got a hell of a catalog now between the white zombie stuff between the your, your own stuff just we were just looking at this box set that we're going to give away, which is like eleven records. I know, I was which actually is surprised. Just Rob Zombie. Ever, yeah, I'm surprised that I made that many records. Yeah, which is which is crazy. But what's your take on making new music as an artist? You know, every time I have an artist in here and I talk to them about the about making new records, especially if they have a catalog of a lot of records already, it's it's almost split down the middle. Half will say. I need to still make new music. I'm an artist. That's what I do. I don't care if anybody buys it. I don't care if anybody plays it. I need to make new music. Others will say, fuck it. Who cares? When I play a new song, they, people go to the beer line anyway, and nobody wants to hear it and whatever. So obviously, it's still important for you to make new music. It's incredibly important. I mean, I think people that think it isn't important have lost the idea why they're in a band in the first place. But that's, I mean, we get together. I mean, for us, in a funny way, it seems like nothing ever changes. 
30 years later, here we are in some crappy rehearsal space that's too loud, going deaf, playing music. It's, you know, we don't, we never change anything. We don't decorate our dressing rooms. We don't do any. We just want it to be the same. If you looked at us in the dressing room 10 years ago, 20 years ago, it never changes because it's like there's something about remembering why you're doing it. Yeah. We have one bus. We all jam together. We don't separate. We all stay in the same dressing room. We all eat together. It's a band. And we do everything like a band. And making a record is important, I think, because if we try as hard as we can with every make record to make a great record, that's what we do. You know, is it like the days where you could sell three million and it's on MTV every five minutes? No. But it's different too. At the same time, you go, okay, well, a couple million people watch this. On YouTube, it didn't get, you know, none of these old records got spun a million times on MTV. Mm-hmm. It's just how you approach it. You know, like on the last record, we made more videos than we've ever made for any record. We promoted it heavier and the new songs connect in the set just as good as the old songs. People don't leave. But at the same time, you know, maybe people that have been fans for 30 years go, oh, I don't know the new songs. But the front row of that look like they're about 14 know the new songs. Mm. So to me, it's like you just have to keep trying to reinvigorate your fan base. You know, you don't want to go just shit out some record. Oh, nobody cares. You have to care. They're only going to care as much as you care, right. I believe. And if it looks like we put a lot of work into everything and we care and we promote it, people get on board. It always works. I mean, our set is filled with songs from every single record. And they all seem to work just as good. Yeah, But you have to slowly introduce them get people on board like anything else because of course someone's not going to like a new song as much as they, some song they've been listening to for 25 years right but that's your thing And but I feel see so many bands just throw their hands up and they go oh it's not worth it anymore well it could be if you changed your attitude and went in and thought like let's make the greatest record humanly possible I mean I don't understand why Artists have to decide, like, oh, their best days are always behind them. It's always behind them. That's how way all they always talk. Or they can blame everything. They blame the internet. They blame the crowd. They blame this. They blame, blame you know. In the eighties, everyone blamed MTV. I remember hearing all the you know the guys then like, oh man, we don't want to make videos. We're not video stars. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Right. Right. Well, we both <laughs> we like, both just do your thing and stop crying. Well, <laughs> we we both are fans of of um, you know old school rock acts and stuff. I have a thing where I feel, and I agree with you about new music. Yeah. I love new music from bands that I like. I mean, I, I look forward to it. I play it. I support it. I like it. But one of the things that I feel is that that I don't like is when bands that I love stay too long at the party, as I call it, meaning that they become a shell of once they what they once were, and it's kind of like there's one original guy, and they can't well, that's guy a can't different sing. Scenario, a totally yeah. different scenario. But my question to you about that is... As you're a high energy performer, you're you bring it when you play live. You yeah. take care of yourself. You you're you're meticulous about your craft and what you do, and you're still in great shape. But do you do you think about that? I mean, you're probably what you're probably around the same age as me, early fifties, right? I'm fifty three. Same ex- same exact age yeah. as me. So do you do you do you start thinking about that because you 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 can't be the guy at least in Rob Zombie mode that sits on a bar stool with an acoustic guitar and croons. No, I mean you have to be realistic with yourself as to what you're trying to do and take it seriously. And yeah, if you're going to go, "Oh, I'm just going to, you know, gain 100 pounds and do this and that and slosh around on stage." Well, yeah, okay, that's that sucks. Yeah. But we take it seriously. Like we all go, we talk about like, "Okay, we got a tour coming up." So everyone's 
working out more. Everybody's getting in shape. Like we take it seriously. It just doesn't happen. Right. You know, I saw the Stones, you know, I don't know, it was now, I lose track of time, but it was a couple of years ago. It was at um, O2 Arena. And yeah, okay, they're not 20 years old, but Mick Jagger's great. Amazing. Because well, he cares. He doesn't accidentally, isn't accidentally that guy. Right. You know, he cares. <laughs> he keeps himself in shape. It matters to him. And people don't, you know, it's it matters to me, you know, and it's like we look at it and we talk about it all the time and you have to pay attention. You can't suddenly just like let it slide. Go Well, the fans will forgive that. So we'll let that one go. They'll yeah. forgive that. We'll let we, you know, at some point we may go, you know what? It can't be what it is anymore. So either you figure you got to figure out a way to get older with the band. And yeah. not just throw your hands up in the air and say, ah, who cares? And a lot, I don't know. But that's everybody else, everybody's different choice on how they want to handle it. But it doesn't have to be that way. You just don't be trendy. Because I was talking about the other day, I was like, everyone's like, well, you get old, it changes. And I was like, what? The one person who I thought was always stayed sort of the same was Lemmy. Like when you look at Lemmy in Hawkwind and you look at Lemmy like in at, towards the end, it's like the same guy. Yes. yes, he got older and he was ill, so he couldn't perform to the level that he could perform. That's just life. But when you watch something like Decline of Western Civilization, that documentary, yeah. everybody looks goofy except Lemmy because he was like, <laughs> this true. is who I am and I don't give a shit. Right. And that's how we feel. And if you just stick to who you are, you go in and out of fashion, but you're oh, it's when bands are chasing like, oh, man, quick, everyone tease your hair. That's... You just lose the plot on what you're about. And, you know, that guy didn't lose it. He was always that guy. The other thing about Lem is the <laughs> fact that he, he, for a guy that was so well known for his drinking and his partying, and I mean, he died at 70 years old, and that's more like in the way he lived, that's like making it to 140. You know, it's pretty amazing. But here's yeah. the crazy thing you never heard. Like, the guys that were like that, you would hear all the stories and stuff, and he was like, yeah, he was fall down drunk in this place, and he couldn't stand up, and he was holding on to the bar. You never heard that about Lemmy. Always, he always operated at this, he looked the same, but he always operated at the same plane. He never went over the edge. You know, you never heard stories of Lemmy fall down drunk. Well, I guess, you know, without knowing anything about it, <laughs> that, you know, he was like, okay, I know my limit you know i know where i'm gonna maintain where i'm drinking when i'm drink want to drink and i'm sitting here playing the poker machine or whatever and i'm <laughs> fine i don't need to like sit here <laughs> until i throw up on the poker machine and fall down and crack my head open like you know he operated amateur. he found his cruising <laughs> altitude yeah and he stayed there for 55 60 years yeah. and never went above it or below it and just stayed there yeah. It was amazing. I mean, I spent so much time with the guy and interviewing him at times, and it was just like, he'd have his Jack, he'd have his Coke. He'd, he just was, all, like you said, visually, he was always the same guy, but the way he was was always the and same. And the band, I mean, right to their last record, it's a good record. Yeah, you know? I agree. It's, oh, yeah. And sometimes I think, like, um, you know, people just get tired of things. Yeah. Like that record's as good as any record they ever made. It's just like, okay, well, you know, how long can you It's hard to keep people interested if you made 50, you know, whatever 30 records and they're all this great, still people lose interest. It's hard to maintain an interest in a per, something for that long. I find myself waning interest in things and coming back and refining it. You can't like 
I'm actually amazed when people are on like 10 about something for, I'm like, you're still that excited about star Wars <laughs> 40 years later. How is that even humanly possible? <laughs> uh, well, you, you've got a guy in your band who, uh, I, uh, he showed me his, his kiss room yesterday at his house. So, uh, in John, so you've got a guy, he's but I feel excited. like that's come back with him. Like he always liked kiss obviously. And he used to have a lot of stuff and then he got rid of it. And then I think he sort of refound being excited about it again. Have you seen his kiss room? Yeah. It's 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 impressive. He's I mean, it's not it's not Gene Simmons level, but it's impressive. Yeah, yeah I, I, well, I, Gene wins in the kiss room. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I went. I, I'll talk about it later. But I went to John Five's yeah. house last night, and he uh, he showed me his kiss room, and we <laughs> played his kiss pinball machine. And I was jealous as hell because his pinball machine worked really good, and I don't have one, and I really want one of those. So, all right, we got to take a break. We'll include you in the conversation. We'll grab a few phone calls. Uh, for Rob. And we have Rob for the rest of this hour. See Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson together going out on tour, the Twins of Evil tour. And uh, I love both bands, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad they're doing it again. And it kicks off, as we mentioned, in Detroit on July 11th. Rob with a new movie coming and a new zombie record coming that's probably going to be next year. So not too much to say about that just yet. More with Rob Zombie right after this. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car, that'll improve your gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might also not know about. That's that True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right, TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with the TrueCar certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, Check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We continue with Rob. The tour begins, as we mentioned, July 11th. It's Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, and a, and a band we do not know in the third <laughs> slot. We should mention who the third act is if it's listed. Or maybe it's not maybe announced. Maybe it's not confirmed yet. Maybe it's not. Maybe Wait, what, am, what, what am I looking for here again? Is there a band? Uh, don't worry about if, it. Well, if you just put somebody on it if they find it. Is there a third act on the upcoming Zombie Manson tour? Like an opening act, because it's a co-headline. There is. I just can't remember. And is it announced? Do we know who they would be? I'm looking. I'm the only one in the studio here in New York today. So. Oh, okay. Well, in duty. the meantime, while you're looking, let's get a, a few calls on for Rob, and we'll uh, we'll talk to Steve, who's in Alabama. Uh, hold on a second. Did this work? Hold on. Let me see what's going on. This is a little bit of a different phone program here than normal. Wait. Steve in Alabama, are you there? There we go. I don't hear anybody. Yo, Steve. <laughs> the hell did you do? Here, let, I don't me know. let me activate it from the studio here in New York. Go ahead. Steve in Alabama. Go ahead, Steve. What's going on, buddy? Hey, guys. Hey, man. Can you hear me? We got yes, you. Go ahead. What's can. your question for Rob? 
Wow, Mr. Zombie, I just want to thank you for your contributions to horror films and to music. I'm looking forward to uh, the new Three from Hell. Uh, but my qu- my question for you, sir, is uh, is there any strange guilty pleasures in your playlist, like maybe some Seals and Crofts or something? <laughs> um, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I never think of it that way. I like so much stuff that seems horrible to people, I guess. Yeah, I love ABBA, and I don't say that in a funny way. And when we were making the um, the album, we would always have the TV on, and we'd put it on a loop of like YouTube videos on TV. And I would just start it on ABBA and let it play all day long in, in a loop for like ten hours straight. And it would drive uh, this guy Chris Harris, who was producing the record, crazy at first, I think. And by <laughs> months later, he was he loved it so much. I had to buy him the uh, vinyl box set for Christmas. So. Yeah, I don't know. There, there you go, uh, Steve. You but know, I don't even think of it as guilty pleasure. I am very proud. I'm not guilty. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not guilty like, about anything. I would like to hear Rob Zombie cover Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that I wouldn't do it justice. Metallica. Did you see Metallica did Dancing Queen the other day? No. On oh, stage. Geez. But is that just uh, Robert and? Rob, Kirk? yeah, Robert and Kurt going out there and doing yeah, doing, doing that a bit. Take yeah. on me and all kinds of weirdo things. Yeah, they, yeah. Wherever I guess whatever country they're in, they're playing something synonymous with that country. So take on me. They did Aha. Uh-huh, they did uh, Dancing Queen. They did. Um, who knows what they'll do next? This is the this is the third or fourth ABBA conversation I had because somebody told me there's an ABBA hologram coming as well. Which... Yeah, they're doing something. I'm, I don't know what it is, but I mean, it's kind of like one of those things, like. You know, because you're the same age. If you were a kid in the '70s at that time, it's just you just have a different take on music. It wasn't so car- compartmentalized, and right. it just, you just kind of get hit by all of it. You would hear ABBA as much as Kiss, and you would hear whatever Seals and Crofts as much as Dallas Cooper. It just kind of was there, all present, all the time. And I didn't like. That's why I don't get caught up in like the label of what things are i don't give a crap right hey ed i don't have control of my phones here for some reason so just drop steve please thank you all right um the the uh the other thing though the bigger thing is on the guilty pleasures thing i agree with you 100 percent. i don't believe in in that i don't even like hearing that because to me you shouldn't feel guilty about whatever you like i could i never gave a shit about what people thought of what i liked yeah i don't know if anyone does feel guilty it's just kind of a weird term right everyone came up with and everybody i'm not gonna say people's names because i'm like everybody i know every guy from every metal band that is like the hardest of the hard when you're in the dressing room and you look at what they're listening to <laughs> it's never anything even remotely related to what they play it never was and it never will be you know, it just what's, besides <laughs> ABBA, what's the most shocking thing on the Rob Zombie playlist that people would be shocked at? I don't know. I don't do you know listen to classical music? Do you listen to jazz? Do you listen to blues? Do you listen to other genres? Yeah, a little bit. I don't really get jazz is not my thing. I never really, you know, that that's like, you know, not my thing. Um, except if it's old enough. If it's from like the twenties, uh, then it's kind. Of, I can kind of get it with. You it like 30s. EDM? No. Nah. Me neither. Not that I don't like it, but I don't listen to it. Like, that's the thing. Just, I don't pay attention to it. You know, so it's, I don't know. I'll check things out, and but I'm kind of stuck in certain time periods of what I like to listen to, even if it's, like, different genres. If it's country or it's something else, it's got to be, like, from the 70s or something before everything went to sh- shit. You know? <laughs> Is there three or four, like, <laughs> go-to records off the top of your head that when you, you need to just hear something that's going to 
get you through the day or turn your mood around that you're going to go to? Is there like the, like for me, I'm going to have, you know, my UFO strangers in the night or my Aerosmith rocks or my first Van Halen record or whatever or kiss record. But what, what, what is there, is there's a three or four sacred things that just like, I mean, probably the record, like if you went on like, you know, you on your iTunes and it says like what records you've played the most, like most frequently played, yeah. it's like, it's always the Almond brothers or Terry Reed, things like that. Terry Reed, a guy not a lot of people know here in America, but I think he just did something with Joe Perry. Yeah, he did a couple ago. tracks off the Joe Perry record, on the new Joe Perry record, and they, he played at the, I think they did that gig at the Whiskey. Yeah. Was, or Roxy, I always get those two confused. And he came out on stage, and I was dying to go, and I totally, like, you know, I knew about it months in advance, and then what actually happened, I totally forgot. and was just... What's his history? I don't know much about him. Well, I mean, Terry Reed was sort of like an, a, a star in England as a solo artist, Kind of up and coming. I mean, I'm not, not the historian. And he was somebody that they was always said that was the first person they asked to be the singer for Led Zeppelin. Oh, right. But right. Led Zeppelin was like, you know, this band being put together. No one knew it was going to be. And he was already had hit songs back then. And, uh, you know, he went on with his own career and didn't do that. And kind of then I don't know why why he was not a huge star or, or not. But How did know. you get turned on to him? Just just heard there's this one record he has called seed of memory that's just amazing and when i was doing the music for devil's rejects i just you're just always going through music going through music playing things playing things trying to find stuff that'll make sense in the movie and that was the music that made the most sense and i used three of his songs in that movie and yeah i mean he doesn't even have that many albums that he ever made but it's just incredible and and it always sounds funny like if you say to somebody like oh, who could have possibly sung Led Zeppelin besides Robert Plant that's absurd who of course Robert Plant is amazing but Terry Reed is just as amazing like you can hear it like if you listen to his records you go Jesus like I could mm. I've never I mean, heard him sing beyond what he did on Joe Perry's records oh he's you know you gotta right. hear him like you know when he's in his 20s and playing and he's just phenomenal Yeah, and you're a big Allman Brothers fan huh? oh yeah yeah which record I mean, Eat a Peach I love, and Brothers and Sisters, and Live at the Fillmore. I love everything. I mean, uh, you know, the, the I love Leon Russell. I mean, last the last time I saw Elton John play at the Garden, he brought out Greg Allman and Leon Russell. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And Leon Russell hadn't played the Garden since concert for Bangladesh, I was, which was kind of a phenomenal. I was sitting in Tulsa about a year or two ago, and, the, and Leon Russell was playing the hard rock that night. And a, cu a couple of his band members came over. I didn't know them. They knew me. They came over and said hello and introduced themselves. And they uh, invited me to the show. And I had other stuff to do. Yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't go. And uh, it bummed me out because now it was. It was literally like a month later that he died. Yeah. And that would have been seeing him in his home turf there in Tulsa. That would have been too. cool. Yeah. I got. Cool. I got to see him because um, the year I inducted Alice into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was like the best year to ever be there. Because it was Alice, it was Leon Russell, it was Tom Waits, it was Neil Diamond. I mean, it was just a great, so I got to see everybody play. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Hey, we got to hit uh, one more break here, and we'll come back with we'll a few more minutes with Rob Zombie before we let him get out of here. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, so take a moment and think about your undies. I know it's a little weird, but your first thought probably isn't they're awesome, which is why I want to tell you about me undies. They're comfy, awesome undies that'll make you feeling good from the moment you put them on. And when you feel good, anything is possible. Me undies, you probably heard about them. They're amazing. They're made with a material sustainably sourced from beechwood trees 
Their naturally soft fiber makes a fabric that won't sag down or ride up. And trust me, once you put a pair on, you'll know what I'm talking about. With me undies, you can get undies sent right to your door. No more hunting around for the perfect pair at a crowded store and eventually settling for something good enough. You know, the ones in the packages, in the plastic. You don't even know if they're any good. You can't try them on. They're uncomfortable when you get them. They stretch out. MeUndies is so sure that you'll love your first pair that if you're not happy, they'll do whatever they can to get you into the right pair. And if they can't, you keep them and they'll refund you. So it really is a totally risk-free offer to try the best underwear ever. Still not sure? Well, MeUndies has a deal for my listeners of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. First-time purchasers get 20% off their first pair of MeUndies and free shipping. 20% off plus free shipping and a guarantee that you and your MeUndies will be very happy together. Get your butt over to MeUndies.com and treat yourself to get your 20% off your first pair and free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to MeUndies.com slash trunk. T-R-U-N-K. That's MeUndies, M-E-U-N-D-I-E-S dot com slash trunk. MeUndies.com slash trunk. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, a couple more quick calls that we'll let Rob roll out of here. This is Ricky in Maryland. Go ahead, Ricky. Hey, Eddie. Hey, Rob. How you doing, brother? Yeah, what's happening? Hey, buddy. Hey, uh, dude, I'm a huge fan. Um, saw you guys for the first time back in August of uh, 96. Uh, Pantera opened up for you guys at the uh, Jiffy Lube Live. Back then, it was called Nissan Pavilion. They've changed the name since. But, uh, dude, that was an incredible show. It was uh, really memorable because uh, when you guys came out, you had this big, huge display thing that lit up. And it had the 666 on it. And, uh, Probably. Soon, yeah, <laughs> Sounds soon, about right. As <laughs> soon as that thing came on, all of a sudden, dude, there was like lightning all through the sky. It was freaking because it was an outside venue, and it, dude, it scared the shit out of me, man. And uh, I was like, wow, these guys are intense, man. They lit up the sky with lightning. Yeah, you know? and, uh, can't mess with the so, forces uh, of darkness, can you? <laughs> shit. Every dude. time Rob lit that sign up on that tour, lightning came down. Yep, it's crazy. <laughs> So, that's well, like that's his that own personal can. lightning machine, Ricky. Uh, thank you for the call, man. Appreciate that. <laughs> Let's say hello to uh, this is Eric in Kentucky. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, uh, Rob. Um, I'm excited Yo. to see you again in uh, Cleveland. I saw you last there at the last year there at the House of Blues. It was like a yeah. Tight. That was yeah, a tight squeeze. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was just wondering, do you ever put? Uh, great american nightmare in the set anymore because i've seen you a few times and i've never seen you play that we never play it we played it like once or twice because uh sometimes the guys in the band like we should totally play that we should totally play it and we play it and i'm like see is as much as people love howard stern and they hear that song (laughs) we play it and it seems like nobody knows what the fucking song is so like that's it we're never playing it again the last time we played it was actually at howard stern's 60th birthday party I can't hear the song uh, anymore without thinking of Howard yeah, start we'll, to talk over it about yeah, 30 seconds yeah, in. Yeah, we'll just let <laughs> Howard have it. That's the only place you'll ever hear it again will be at the beginning that's of the Howard Stern show. <laughs> that's what I mean. 
I've I've heard that song more than probably any other. Song <laughs> it's ever probably got ever. more airplay than any yeah. Rob Zombie song ever. Actually, that song has probably got yeah more air. <laughs> the first twenty seconds of that song, anyway, I've got more airplay than any song ever. Well, you never know when he's going to come in and talk over it. Like you know, he could come in right at the top, or I've heard it go all the way to. I've actually heard it go all the way to the end, where he's had to put another music bed on because he's just not ready to turn the mic That's on. That's funny. Yet. Yeah, I mean that song's pretty old. I mean we did it like almost. More than 20 years ago. Yeah. He always likes <laughs> to sing over the top to it. Yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> he's, uh, thank you, Eric, for the call. He, he's, you know, it's crazy. We work, of course, on the same platform here, the same company and everything. Yeah. And he is without, people talk about influence and everything. He's without doubt, a doubt my favorite all time radio personality. Oh, yeah. And had a huge impact on me growing up. But even though I was in radio pretty much the same time he was, I've never met the guy. I've oh, never really? met the guy. I've I've talked. I've been on the show on the phone, and he's oh, had me on one weird. or two times. I've never met the man, and we're even in the same building. That's but, strange. You know, he has his compound back in the corner and all that. Which, in, in, if you've been up, you've been up yeah, to the yeah, building. Yeah, back, yeah, he's yeah. got that that zone. Totally. And I know so many of his people and stuff, but I've never actually. I was going to say I had a chance to shake the man's hand, but I also know he's a germaphobe, so it would be the fist bump out of respect because I understand that as well. Let's give him a big hug. <laughs> one more quick one. This is Eddie, who's in New Mexico. Hey, Eddie, you're on with Rob Zombie. Hey, how's it going? Thanks a lot, man. How y'all right doing on, man. Today? We're good, great, good. man. Yeah, Rob. Hey, thanks yeah. a lot, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you, man. I've seen you in El Paso, Texas, several times. My yeah. favorite shows was uh. When you're on tour for American Witch, yeah, like the way it was pretty much a stripped-down show where it concentrated mostly on the music. Are there any plans on doing something like that in the future? No, we've stopped concentrating on the music, and now we're concentrating <laughs> on the show again. <laughs> nah, I mean, some, I mean, probably not, but you never know. For a while, yeah. we were kind of into a stripped-down thing, and then we built it all back up to big and crazy, and we're still with big and crazy. That's a tough That's a tough spot for you, though, because, and I know this from talking to fans, I know this from talking to people who have gone to shows that you've done, is, is there's there's a segment of people that are fine with that, and, and then you built up this show so much that people expect that. Yeah. And then you go, and you, if you scale it down or you go into something else, you know, he's shortchanging the audience, he's, you know... So it, 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 there's really no no winning, yeah, and, and really, also how big can you go? We really don't scale it down anymore. The only time we really scaled it down, which is so funny, was when we did OzFest 2007. That was really the one time we scaled it down for one tour. Right. And people still ask, is it scale? I'm like, we did it one summer, like 11 years ago, and everyone's, you know, so that's, you know, Sometimes in Europe it'll get a little more scaled down because the just the price of shipping everything over there and it always gets damaged anyway, mm -hmm. so you can't use it. It'll be a little more stripped down. But the U.S. is always big and ridiculous now. Have there has there have you thought of? Um, are there going to be some new things introduced on the tour coming up with Manson theatrically? We're, we're still working on it, still pricing it out, you know, to try to figure out how to you know not go bankrupt. You were never a pyro guy though, right? You, did you ever do a lot of fire stuff? Tons. No. You did? We always Why did. Why did I not think that? I don't know. We recently? Were, always. Yeah, we did tons of pyro starting with White Zombie all through Rob Zombie. The last couple of years I kind of do it sometimes and don't right? because it it starts becoming um the pyro became really a nightmare. Well, this is even old, but like right after 9/11, that became such a an issue doing pyro. It's like everything became an issue in venues. 
And um, so, yeah, you know, it can be a pain because it's expensive and you get there and the fire marshal like kind of shuts it down. This night, you're like, ay, 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 or, Rammstein's got the lock on the fire stuff, man. Somebody, somebody showed me yeah. some video of this uh, thing that the, the most recent concert film they did with the pyro and the Jonas Ackerlin directed video and this crazy concert video. And they, somebody told me they actually have, the, they now are actually licensing out their pyro well, yeah, effects. Well, I think they have their own company. Other, yeah, yeah, to yeah, other, yeah. They're, they're, they're actually yeah, doing yeah. something. No, theirs are the most extreme ever. Well, huge thanks to Rob Zombie, who took time out to join me in Los Angeles recently. Again, that interview courtesy of my daily radio show, which is live on Sirius XM Channel 106 between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern time each and every day. It replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and it is available on demand anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. You only get a tiny little taste of what I do on a daily basis here on the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys come on board on the radio side and get involved and listen live if you can. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And I remind you to follow me on Twitter. A lot going on. More news and more things I can announce soon. At Eddie Trunk is the place. Also, the homepage of eddietrunk.com has got all of my appearances and more. E.T.'s box office for ticket giveaways. Merch store for shirts and hats and all that sort of good stuff. The uh, the music news updated daily is there for you. The Trunk Report, which is my blog, it's all on my official online home. And there's also a Facebook and an Instagram, simply at my name, at Eddie Trunk. You guys have a great week. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And don't forget, mark those calendars July 1st, 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central, Access TV, the premiere of my brand-new TV show, Trunk Fest. Get ready to set those DVRs. Can't wait for you guys to see it kicking off July 1st. Have a good week, everybody. Catch you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Podcast One. We love hearing from you. We read every tweet and comment you send our way. So don't miss your chance to take our summer listener survey. Just go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner or go to podcastone.com slash my survey. It only takes a few minutes and it gives you the opportunity to make a direct impact on your favorite shows. Tell us how you really feel so we can get to know you better. We value your thoughts and participation. So check out the survey at podcastone.com slash my survey or click on the survey banner on podcast one. Dot com.